Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. It's such a joy to be here with you today. Uh, you may be asking, what in the world is this guy doing here? Who is he? Um, David Jansen from Tabor College. Where's Tabor College? Hillsborough, Kansas. And uh, why Tabor College here at Bethany Church? Um, well, if you didn't know it, you're a Mennonite Brethren Church. And we are a Mennonite Brethren College. And there's, there's only two of them, Fresno Pacific University and Tabor College out in Hillsborough, Kansas. And there's a lot of connections we've had from the Central Valley of California with Tabor College over the years. In fact, I see already there are some Tabor alumni here with us and people that are Tabor connected. And so it's my joy and privilege to get to represent the college. I've been at Tabor as president for just over a year now. And uh, my wife, Karen, and I get to travel and we get to worship in a variety of different churches as we get invited to come out and preach and share and promote the college. And what a joy it was. It has been today to worship with you at Bethany today. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. And as you do that, I'll just uh, make another connection that uh, special thanks to Jonathan and Denise Weens. Denise is a board member uh, at Tabor College, and this is her church. And so she's the one that invited me to come, and it's just a joy. Uh, we really appreciate you sending her to us and representing your church and churches here in uh, in California at Tabor. And it's such an important job, I'll, I'll just mention that, that, that our board hold me accountable, that they make sure that we stay on mission. And that is one of the most important things, that we continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Uh, I, I guess I'll just go there right now. You, as, an, as a Mennonite Brethren Church, you have a variety of different ministries here children's ministries, youth ministries, adult ministries, um, and, and even going to Rwanda, not directly your church, got that, Janice, but, but you have a young adult college ministry, uh, perhaps here, but at Tabor College, which is, I think, a first-class college ministry that is doing your work, God's work, and we see ourselves as partners with you, and we want to come alongside you. We want to send our students here as interns. We want to have them see them graduate and come and serve in the church here and, and throughout the world. And we want to have them prepared to go out into the world. Our mission is to prepare people for a life of learning, work, and service for Christ and his kingdom. That's the most important part, that last part. Why do we do it? It's for Christ and his kingdom, to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'll share a little bit of an update here at the end, but but we're going to dive into Mark chapter 12. Let me just pray real quick before we jump into the scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, God. It is such a joy to be in your house, to be able to worship you and to be with others who are, are pursuing you and want to be obedient to you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We just I did I ask God that you reveal yourself through your word today. Give us open ears and open hearts for what you might have to say to each one of us, myself included. May your Holy Spirit speak through me, if it be your will, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Mark chapter 12 starts, I'm just going to give a, a real quick overview of the context here of what's happening, that Jesus is telling a parable. And Jesus did a lot of that. And this particular parable was incredibly convicting for those who were listening to it. He essentially said in this parable that there was a landowner and he sent his servants to collect the rent uh, from the tenants. And what did those servants or what did those tenants do? They beat him up. They said, we're not going to send the rent to you. And they attacked him and beat him up. And so the landowner said, hmm sent another servant and said, well, they're not respecting them. So if I send my son, surely they'll respect my son. But they didn't. They killed his son. Well, for those who were receiving this parable, hearing this story, they knew what he was talking about. They knew that he was accusing them of having attacking his prophets, of ha- attacking his messengers, killing them. And now here, Jesus, God's son, was come and they wanted to kill him. And so that wasn't a very popular message for them. So they sat out at that point to say, we're going to try and capture, we're going to try and catch Jesus in something that we can then have him arrested And so they gave him some really hard questions, a question about taxes and then a question about marriage and the resurrection. And that leads us to where we are today in in Mark 12, verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I love this passage. I think it's just such a great passage. I'm sure you've heard it before. It's probably been preached on many times here at this church. Uh, But notice what happened. Jesus put out a truth that was convicting. The Jewish leaders didn't like it. But this guy who was watching said, I'm impressed with your answers. And I firmly believe that he asked a genuine question. He really wanted to know what is the greatest commandment. I don't think this was a question to try and trap Jesus like the previous ones. I think it was an authentic question. And and so... um, The context here is Jesus answering some really hard questions and he had to gain their respect in order to get that authentic, genuine question. And I think this is a way that we can be like Jesus. We can answer hard questions. We could ask hard questions all the time. But to be prepared, to give a good answer, to, if we don't know, say, I don't know, but let me get an answer for you. I think it's a way that we can be like Jesus and we can earn people's respect. Um, by our wise answers. And that's through God's word and and studying it. I set myself up for getting a lot of hard questions. I went and did a PhD in computer science and I taught in, as a professor, uh, I taught in Kansas and I taught here in California 15 years before we, my wife and I came a year ago 
to Tabor. I taught at Cal Poly for 15 years and led the software engineering program. And, and in all of those things, I got a lot of hard questions, a lot, mostly technical questions. And students expected me to know all the answers. And sometimes I did, but there were times where I didn't know. Technology is always changing and things are new and I don't know how that works, but let's figure it out. Let's go and let's study that. I think that that's an opportunity that we all have to do the same kind of a thing. I had opportunities because students respected me as a computer scientist that they would ask me questions about my faith as I would share with them that I am a Christian and I'd love for you to know about Christ. I remember one time a student coming and saying, you seem like a pretty smart guy, but you're a Christian. I don't get that. What a great entry to a conversation. Like, well, let's talk about that. There's some a bunch of really smart people who are Christians and I'd list off some names. They're like, you're kidding. And so it's a great opportunity that we have in order to, to be prepared with an answer. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 16 talks about this. It says in verse 14, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And here's where it comes. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give an answer, it says there. So it's something that I just, a first point I guess I would have is is be prepared to give an answer. Study, uh, it's a way of serving people well. So coming back to Mark 12, it's really a rich passage with a lot in there and we could spend a lot of time studying that. But I want to just focus on one piece. It talks about loving God in several ways, and one of them is with all your mind. And I want to wrestle with that for just a couple of minutes today. How do we love God with our mind? What does that mean? As a college president, I think that's a very appropriate question for me to wrestle with because the college experience is very much about our mind. At Tabor, we are a residential college, and so students come and they live on campus, they eat in the dining hall, they are in community, and they're involved in a lot of things. They're involved in the arts, they're involved in athletics, they're involved in student government and leadership and Bible studies and many different activities. And that's an important part of the college experience at Tabor. But it's a college. And so taking classes and getting degrees and engaging our mind is a core part of why they were there. Uh, it's why they come is, is for uh, gaining that degree and being prepared to go out and make a difference in the world for Christ and his kingdom. And so to wrestle with that, how do we love God with all our mind is a very appropriate thing at college. So I'll suggest, how do we love God with all our mind? I'll answer that question by asking you two other questions. <laughs> The first question that we'll look at is how do we, what, what is it that we fill our mind with? I think that's an important part of how we love God with all of our mind is, is what do we fill our mind with? And the second question we'll look at is how do we then use our mind for his glory? Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, familiar passage that talks about the mind and and what we do with the mind. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this passage. In particular, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So what is the pattern of this world? What is it that, how is it that we live? What does our society look like? I would suggest that the pattern of this world starts with pride. That's how we live in our culture. Uh, Many of the things that we do are rooted in pride. C.S. Lewis wrote this fantastic book, read it a long time ago when I was in college at Tabor, Mere Christianity. And in that book, it had a chapter titled The Great Sin. In that chapter, he purports that pride or self-conceit is the source of all sin. He tries to make an argument for that. And the opposite of pride is humility. I think we all wrestle with pride, most commonly in the form of selfishness. We think about ourselves first. It's just natural. It's as though we're born with that selfishness. Uh, What is it that I want to do? What am I going to have for lunch? You're probably thinking about that already. It's almost lunchtime. What are we having? Where are we going? Uh, Who who cooked? Um, How do I want to be treated? What am I going to be? What am I going to wear? What will I do with my money? What will I do with my time? We're very focused on ourselves and, and what, what it is we want. And it's very natural. And the culture, I think, feeds that to us. Media, entertainment, sports, trivia, appearance, fads. These are all things that, that focus on ourselves. Uh, what I enjoy, what makes me happy, what will make me look good or be popular. I think this is, in many ways, the pattern of this world that we live in today. A focus on me. My time, my pursuits, what do I want? God proposes a very different way for us. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way that your mind works by making it new. Reprogram it. Reconfigure the neural pathways in your brain. At Tabor, we have this fantastic, relatively new Masters of Education program on neuroscience and trauma. And what it does is it starts at the beginning looking at how does our brain work from a biological perspective? What are those neuropathways? How do they get formed and how do we change them? And then it looks at how trauma, when somebody experiences trauma, how does that change our brain? How does that affect our brain? And then a bulk of the program is saying, how can we change that? How can we help people renew their minds? And so it's a master's of education. It's for teachers, but it's also for people who are in social work, in criminal justice. Even parents are signing up and taking this as they look at their children who have perhaps experienced trauma of some sort. And so many of us have experienced trauma in some way. And I I even argue that all of us perhaps over the last several years because of COVID experienced some sort of trauma. And I think of kids in school and how it just uprooted how school worked and all that happened that caused some trauma for most people, maybe mild, maybe more severe for others. And so how can we renew our minds? That's what this program at Tabor is about is thinking through that. And so I think it's something that we can do is change the way that we think about things. 
and instead um, have some healthy ways. And so it's this transformation that happens. And that's what Tabor, in many ways, is all about. The name Tabor College, why did they choose Tabor? Well, it comes from Mount Tabor, the Mount of Transfiguration in the Bible, where there was a transformation that took place. And that's what we desire, is that when students come to us, that they're transformed into the people that God would want them to be, that they under, they come to know Christ. That's one of the most important aspects of what we want to see happen at Tabor. And I'm just going to take a, a tangent and talk about how that's happening at Tabor already. This year has just been such a great year. We started the year, I, I gave the first chapel, I talked about wheat, wheat, and I talked about seeds and how we all have the potential of transformation. You know, wheat is a very common thing in Kansas. We have a little bit of it in California. Um, but wheat has to be transformed into something to be really useful. Either you mill it and make it into flour, and then you can bake all these wonderful things, cinnamon rolls and breads and swebach. Or you plant it, and it grows as a plant, and it produces more fruit, more wheat. And so each of us is like that, that we need to be transformed to be used by God. Well, the second chapel that we had was our academic convo, and we had a guest speaker who came in, Noe Garcia. And Noe is a a Southern Baptist pastor of a big church in North Phoenix, and his wife is, is an alum from Tabor. And he came and he gave his testimony, and it was powerful. It was compelling. And at the end, in his Southern Baptist style, he gave an altar call, and he invited students to come and make a commitment for Christ. And we saw 40 students come make commitments for Christ that day. And it was so powerful, yet praise the Lord for that, that students, and we know one or two of those were recommitments, and one of them said, well, afterwards in a conversation, it was a commitment to make a commitment. So I'm committing to figure this out and, and truly explore what does God's word have to say. But most of them were authentic commitments to say, I'm going to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life and I want to follow him. And what a joy that that happened at the beginning of the school year. And now we're able to lean into these students and connect them with mentors and disciplers. And we can work, walk with them throughout the year in Bible studies. And we've seen what I believe is true revival happening on campus. And that was one of the key first elements of it. That evening, just um, uh, an impromptu prayer meeting happened out on the lawn. Some 90 students showed up just to pray for what God is doing, what they saw happening. We see, we saw last year we had some five or six student-led Bible studies on campus. This year the number I've been told is 26 student-led Bible studies on campus. These are not things that we force or that we orchestrate. These are things that are organically happening in the dorms, in the residence halls that students are saying, I want to know God's word more. I want to grow in his faith. And so praise the Lord that he is at work using the work of Tabor College. And that's, that's what we're all about, is we want to point students to that narrow path, that narrow road that leads to life. And what a privilege it is. That's why my wife and I left California and went to Kansas to to be a part of this ministry because we believe in what God is doing there and it's an effective ministry and it's an extension of the work that churches are doing. So I'm totally off of my sermon. But but I just love that and and it's just such a joy to see uh, how God is at work. 
So coming back, thinking about this pattern of thinking, renewing your mind. So rather than thinking about me and selfishness, what is it that God would have us to think about? How do we love God with our mind by what we think about? Well, in Philippians 4, it talks about in verses 7 and 9, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I think God wants to fill, wants us to fill our minds with things of him like what we just read. But it's human nature for wrong thoughts to come into our mind, whether it's from outside or somehow it just pops into our mind. And so what is it we're going to do with those wrong thoughts when we're not thinking of what's pure and what's noble? In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it has this this, uh, analogy here. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards or vineyards that that are in bloom. I think of that as wrong thoughts, these these little foxes that are ruining our vineyard, and we need to capture them. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and through 6 talks about the same kind of a thing. It talks about taking captive every thought. And so we fill our minds with the things of God, and we capture the thoughts that are contrary. It takes some discipline to do these things, but I think that we can train our minds to do that. So that's the first question. What do we fill our minds with? The second question How do we use our mind for God's glory? And that's where I'll talk a little bit more about taper. And that's what we want to see our students do. We want to prepare them for a life of learning, work, and service for Christ and his kingdom. So we want them to learn things. We want them to get degrees. We want them to learn whatever it might be, whether it's in biology or in mathematics or or in athletic training. They want to learn skills. We want them to learn facts and knowledge that they're prepared to go out and make a difference in the world. But most importantly, why? So that Christ's kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's how we bring God glory with what are we spending our mind doing? What are we focusing on? What's the purpose of what we're doing with our mind? Is it bringing glory to God? We've got lots of great examples of people that have done that. And there's people probably in this church. Well, I know there are people in this church who have gone out from Tabor and, and the training that they had, and they've taken what they've learned and they've continued to learn and they've continued to grow and they've been a blessing in the world. and They've used their mind for God's glory, not just for their own benefit but for God's glory to bring Christ to the world. And so it's so fun to hear those stories. It's one of the privileges that Karen and I have as we go out and we meet people, alumni, uh, people connected with the college and see how God has been at work in their lives. But we have to be careful with learning and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 3 says, We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So I believe that God gives us a purpose for our learning. It's not just for puffing ourselves up. I'll wrap up with just talking a little bit about 
what God is doing at Tabor. I've already shared some of the spiritual things that God is doing, and and it's so such a joy to see that. What kind of a Christian? There's a lot of Christian colleges out there, and how it's really I want to bring help to families, especially as they're trying to figure out what kind of a Christian college is this, and how do I examine where my child should go, uh, and and these young people as they figure that out. There are covenantial Christian colleges, colleges where you have to say, I'm a Christian in order to go there. And there are, that's on one extreme, you might say. On the other end of the spectrum, there are colleges that once were Christian, maybe many, many years ago. And it's very difficult to even find that Christian connection today. What is Tabor? Tabor is what I describe as a critical mass Christian college. What I mean by that is that all of our staff are Christians. That's one of the big jobs that I have as a president, and the, and I'm so appreciative for our former presidents that have done that and done a great job of saying, okay, you have the right skills to teach biology or to coach volleyball or whatever it may be, but do you have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know God's word? Are you active in a local church? Do you care? Do you, do you want to be involved in mentoring and discipling students and pointing them to Christ and exploring God's word? That's one of the most important things that I, I probably do in my job and that we do is we continue to hire staff that love God and have an authentic relationship with him. Our students, though, we don't require that of them. Our students don't have to say that they're a Christian in order to come to Tabor College. And so because we are a Christian college, most of them are Christians. A majority of them come wanting to go to chapel and Bible classes and to grow in their faith, but a minority of them are not Christians. And that gives us an opportunity to share Christ. And so as I mentioned earlier, students are coming to know Christ when they come and they hear about him and they see and they're surrounded by these Christians. But even students who grow up in the church, grow up in going to um, to youth group, most of them still have to come. You know, it's their first time leaving home and they have to make their faith their own and they have to make that decision. Am I going to go to church? What do I believe about God's word? What do I believe about his calling on my life? Who am I? What do I believe? And I love being in that space when they're making those decisions and exploring those questions and pointing them to Christ. And so we see that God is at work and doing those things at Tabor, and it's just a privilege to be there. Uh, there's so much more I'd like to share with you, but we're out of time. Uh, I'd if you want to hear more about Tabor, come and talk to myself or, or Karen or, or uh, Ron Braun is here uh, from Tabor. We'd love to have you. Uh, Chuck Bowler maybe is also still here as well. We'd love to have you talk to us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Yeah, they're already on their way. They know what's going on. It's my sincere desire that we be a close partner with with you as a church, an extension of the church. And so we ask that you continue to pray for Tabor and the and the work that God is doing there. And and reach out to us to bring interns here and to hire our alumni and to come and to minister in church here. So I'll close with just a reminder of these two things, these questions. What is it you're filling your mind with? Is it edifying to the Lord? And how are you using your mind for God's glory? What have you learned that you can give as a gift to God and to the people that he would bring you in contact with? So may you love the Lord with all your mind. I'll pray as we close. 
Thank you, Lord, for sending us your son, Jesus, and thank you for your forgiveness of sins and that we can have that same kind of forgiveness as we heard about earlier today. Thank you for your spirit guiding us. We just ask that you would go with us from here. May we use our minds for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.